there was a, uh, you know, earlier in the week, we pointed out, you know, here's some mistakes that people make. And um, what we want to do today is walk through some of them you'll see, you know, it's a framework for to solve a specific mistake that we talked about. Others are just named and claimed ways of thinking about things. Um, for each one of these, we've pulled an example that is executing it really well. You know, there's always a little bit of room for improvement. So we'll speak to that as well. And then we pulled some essays that just came across and, you know, it, it kind of illustrates the, where, where the, the misthinking is, you know, and the idea here is this is all constructive criticism. Okay. So this is not, um, the intention here is not to throw people under the bus. It's not to make people feel bad. Right. Th these are all things that we're learning. Um, so I just want to frame that as the overall, overall POV. Uh, I, we just pulled these as examples to see, you know, what are the holes that people keep falling into? So, to dive in, this is the first big, big thing. We talk about it constantly. It's this clear, not clever. I, I'll be totally honest. When I was pulling examples, I was, I was scrolling through Twitter, and it was shocking to me how many writers were still using clever headlines, not clear. And I'm just going to tell you, okay, I've been doing this long enough. I know where it comes from. And it's a very hard habit to break. It is very, very hard. I know that there's probably half of half of you listening to me say this, being like, "You're wrong," and I'm gonna I'm gonna prove <laughs> to you that you're wrong. Okay, and I and I know it because I was saying that to myself for years. But just take it from someone who's further on down the path. Like, I just I just want to help you. Okay, we just want to help you. So here, this is a great example of a really solid headline. Okay. The top three ways to sponsor women in the workplace rather than just claim your company does. Okay. So let's just walk through what are the pieces? Why is this working? Okay. Who is this for? All right. Now here, the headline isn't naming someone explicitly. This is, this would be the one uh, area where I think you could push it even further. Okay. So here you might say the top three ways uh, to sponsor women as an HR rep in the workplace or the top three ways to sponsor women as a CEO in the workplace, right? We can name the who and all of a sudden make this more potent, but it's sort of implied, right? If you're interested in reading about this, you're probably interested in reading business content. You're probably interested in reading about empowering women in, in career. You know, the who can be implied a little bit. Okay. What is this about? This is about sponsoring women. This is about supporting women. This is about equality in the workplace, right? It's very clear what we're about to dive into. And then what's the promise, right? The promise is if you read this, you're going to learn three ways to do that. And you're also going to learn the, the, the second part of the headline kind of teases this, right? The second part is rather than just claim your company does. Oh, so there's this little emotional component here where you're also going to learn, am I making the mistake where I think I'm doing this, but I'm actually not, right? So when you see a headline like this, it's really important to read each of the pieces and to go, what's the journey that the author is really pointing out here? And where is this going to go? And if I can read a headline and have 100% clarity of what I'm going to get out of it, that's a great headline, right? So just, I just, this is a really, really great example. It's one of the first pieces I, I found as I was digging through. Um, Dickie, anything you want to add here? I think when, whenever you see a good headline, something that I've found helpful is reverse engineering what a bad headline for this version would look like, just so you can see the reverse angle too. So imagine this one just said, workplace or sponsoring women in the workplace, empowering women in the workplace, right? Like, all of those are potential, sorry, I lost my train of thought a little bit, but like a different way of thinking, okay, this one's really good. And instead, what would a bad one look like? So you can see it in your own as well. But mm -hmm. this one is so clear to me versus you very easily could have come across this one and someone could have had a clever title. Like how I'm trying to think of one on my toes, but like sponsoring play, women, right. Or playing on something with, this pretending your company does, I could very well see someone trying to go clever on that. Front, mm -hmm. Right. And again, the biggest reason why we want to point this out is 
there like it's one thing for maybe us to point it out to you right but a very like where you really learn this lesson is when you write hundreds of things that no one pays attention to right or you send out an email that no one opens no one reads it right that is a very brutal way of learning hey i'm missing the mark here right i got to figure out how to get people's attention so there's the Ben, this is a great question in the chat of, you know, where's the line of clear and clever? You can be clever if there's clarity. But if you are clever in the absence of clarity, you have a problem. Okay. And so I just want to, here's a couple of examples that really drive this, this point home. All right. If you see your essay, we love you. Okay. We love you. We're just trying to help. All right. So here are a couple titles that are, that are the, you know, this is clever in the absence of clear, right? So one word headlines. I, I, it's the artist in all of us, right? It's the artist that goes dreams, right? It's like, we just, we're trying to be creative. We're trying to be clever. And, and it took me 10 years to figure this out that what you think is happening isn't what's happening for the reader. You think you're creating mystique for the reader and really you're creating confusion. Okay. Same thing. Mommy, there's a phone in my ear, right? I read this. It was a terrific essay. It was great, but I never would have read it if I was just a a reader evaluating it off of the headline. I have no idea what I'm diving into, right? I have no idea. Same thing, the taste of water, right? I don't know if this is about to be a meditation exercise or an argument against, you know, sulfites and copper in LA's water system, right? I have no idea. And this is the thing that we're trying. This is, this is what you're fighting in yourself. You're fighting this urge to go, I am more important than the reader, right? I expect that the reader will give me their attention regardless of whether or not I give them anything substantial to hold on to. And that is, that is the mistake. So a, a couple of points on this one. First, if any of your essays come up and this, I do want to stress, this is just us helping. And so do not be, you should be proud because it just means the very next one, you get to improve it. Um, with these three, I asked Cole explicitly how long he had to search to find three perfect examples like this. And he said, Uh, about 10 seconds. And so that, you know, proves that there's a lot of people that do this. So don't think that, you know, you're not the only one by far. And I think a good framework that we could append to this one is assume no one wants to read what you've written. Because I think when people go with clever headlines, it's, I've written something good and the people that read it respect me and are going to read it anyway they're going to appreciate the cleverness of my title, right? Versus if you assume every reader wants nothing to do with what you read, unless you give them a reason to, you're never going to use a headline like dreams, right? There's a little bit of an ego driven writing way of thinking there of if my content's good, the headline doesn't matter. So I think instead flip it and say, if my content is good, I should do everything I can possibly do to get people to read it. And that is writing a good headline. One of the best, uh, totally agreed. One of the best frameworks that I ever learned from a very top five, one of the most successful copywriters on the planet, sales copywriters. And he goes, and I was asking him, you know, like, oh, these headlines are so long. Like, should you write long headlines? Like I was so focused on this same, I see the same question in the chat, right? Like, I don't want to write long headlines as if length is this thing that's going to turn people off. And what he said was, Cole, imagine I wrote you a hundred page letter of everything I thought about you. Every single thing would you read it? And I'd be like, yeah, I would read literally every word of that. I, a hundred pages all about me. I, I would read it. And then I'd ask you for more. Right. And his point was this idea of the headlines too long or the sections too long or whatever is kind of flawed because it's assuming that you are what matters. Right. 
And it's not. What matters is what the reader gets out of it. What matters is how the reader feels about it. And so if the thing that you're writing is all about the reader, it could be a hundred pages and they're going to read the whole thing. Right. So don't get caught up in if I don't have a three word headline, it's not a good headline. No, that's not what it's about. Over time, you you'll learn how to shorten it. But focus on am I communicating the idea? Am I speaking to the reader's interests? Uh, when you first told me that story, Cole, I was like, I would read a thousand pages. I, I probably wouldn't do anything else until I finished that book, literally. So yeah, <laughs> we're all obsessed um, with ourselves. It's true. And so I'm gathering some common pushbacks here and we'll come up with some more frameworks to address them, but I shouldn't have to is assume the reader's not reading and that, or doesn't, isn't interested in what you're saying. And then, but I don't want to write a good long headline is, is that example right there of if you are delivering something, it does not matter how long it is. People are going to read it. Mm -hmm. It's just all about the reader. Mm -hmm. And again, I keep seeing this, this same phrase. I'm just, look, I'm just trying to be super direct so that the, the point gets across, right? It's not about peaking interest, okay? I, like I've, I, I read the same phrase over and over and over again. It is not about peaking interest. Peaking interest implies a trick, right? It's a magic trick. If I dangle the keys in the right way, it glimmers in the reader's eye and then I mesmerize them and then they fall into my piece, right? It's not about doing that. It's, it's the, the simplest way to understand it, okay? You're hungry, you're craving a burger. One restaurant call them, calls themselves Maori's. Another restaurant calls themselves Five Minute Burgers. Which one are you going to go to, right? It's not, it's not about peaking interest. It's I have a desire and you're speaking to my desire. And that's it. I think just to look at that one, Ben, you could go review, reflect, redo, colon, how to learn from your mistakes more effectively, right? Yes. That, that headline formula of somewhat unclear, colon, clear, is actually one of the most potent ways you can go about doing it, right? Because a lot of people in that exact piece of content would just put the title of review, reflect, redo. That would be it. So if you can add some clarity to a little bit of confusion, that's the curiosity. That's where people go, oh, that, that's a different way of thinking. Sorry if I broke up a little bit there, but um, yeah, I really like that, that way of thinking. And, and this is it, uh, even just pushing it further and further, right? It's not, don't, don't get lost in the words themselves, right? You have to take a step back and go, what is the thing I'm saying, right? Just what am I saying? And that's why when you start, if, you're, if your version one of the headline needs to be three lines long, that's okay. You're figuring out what am I saying? Then you can make what you're saying smaller, right? But that is a different exercise than saying, I'm going to pick one overarching word that you have to mythically interpret in order to figure out if you want to read my thing right? Those are two completely different things. And we're advocating for the former and we're saying, forget the latter. Okay. And, and I think just to follow up on this, very few people start reading a headline and then stop reading a headline. So if you're concerned about length or order, I don't think it matters too much. Um, you can, you really got to have a long headline for someone to say, I got so bored during your headline that I stopped reading. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I, I wouldn't be too worried about headline length or headline order, order, capitalization, whatever. One thing I've been doing on capitalization, by the way, is just capitalizing everything. Yeah. Uh, I, I've just moved to it. It's like, fuck it. Uh, sorry for it's, cursing, but like it, I got tired of trying to figure it out. Yeah, I did. I did too. I was like, I don't understand all these rules of some words are capitalized and some words aren't. You know what? My own rule, everything. Here's, here's a secret about writing. No one actually knows what the rules are. Just whatever rule you pick, just stick to it. You create your own style guide, just stick to it. And the reader won't notice. All right, let's keep going because we got so much good stuff in here. Okay, pinpoint writing. Dickie, you want to explain this one? 
Yeah, this one to me is, uh, so I sit down at the beginning of every time I sit down to write and I answer five questions. I say, who am I writing for? What problem am I solving? What benefit am I unlocking? What emotion am I creating? And there's one more, I need to pull it up. But I basically sit down and I try to pinpoint a single person who has that exact problem to, and then I try to spark that exact emotion to unlock that exact benefit. And to me, that provides such clarity where if I know that and I have a clear headline, my essay writes itself. Everything I write simply writes itself. And so the, the more you can go, I have this idea in my head of what I'm writing about and I'm going to find one specific person and write it directly to them. The internet guarantees there are thousands of other people just like that. And so it eases. I think people get caught up. They're like, Oh, I got to write this thing. And it's got to be for one. They try to write for everyone. And we talked about last time writing for everyone's writing for no one. And then secondly, it's, if you can make it resonate with one person, the internet's going to take care of the rest because that person's going to share it. They're going to make it known. And then it's off and running. So this one to me is just, it makes it easier for me to write because I sit down and I say, I'm just having a conversation. So I might as well just record this thing. There's, there's two words in this headline. The reason why I pulled this one is there's two words here that make it so blatantly obvious who this is for and who this is not for. And the two words are your team, right? Because your implies you have a teenager, right? And if you don't, this is not for you. And that's a good thing. This would be a very weak headline if it said three self-awareness practices to reduce conflict. It still works, right? But it's not directed to one specific type of person. But if you're a parent, right? I was was a difficult teenager. I'm sure this is the type of thing that at some point my parents were Googling, right? Is like, if you're a parent and you have conflict with your teenager and you find an essay or an article that says how to reduce conflict with your teenager, right? I want to read a hundred pages about myself right? This is how to reduce conflict with your teenager. You are removing everyone who doesn't matter and you are speaking directly to the one person who does. And everyone's thinking is the opposite of this. Everyone thinks this is not what you want to do. No, 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 no. You want to go big, broad, all-encompassing how to be happy, right? But that's really not what it's about. It's about speaking to one type of person. If I was trying to write something for Dickie, I would think, what what is Dickie like? Where does Dickie live? What are all the things he's interested in? What are his hopes, dreams, fears, loves, aspirations, and ambitions, right? And what are his most human characteristics? And I'm going to speak directly to him. And then as a result, every other person who's like him is going to go, this was written for me. That's what pinpoint writing is. And it just takes so many of the variables out of it because you know that you're not going to use anything flowery if you're talking to me or anything verbose, anything that you know that reader's not interested in. It just adds more constraint to whatever it is you're writing. So here's a couple, here's a couple examples where you can see how there's no pinpoint, right? Three ways silence can help you work better and live happier. Who's this for? Right? Carving out time for personal work. Am I a doctor who's carving out time for personal work? Or am I mm. a high school student who's carving out time for personal work? Right? Five ways to get stuff done. Get what stuff done? What type of stuff yeah. am I? Yeah, for wow. who? What, what am I doing, right? And so the thinking, again, like if you're sitting here going, wow, headlines are hard, the skill of being able to write effective headlines, you are not just writing headlines. This is the skill of thinking. And if you can think clearly, you can literally do whatever you want in life. 
Okay, so we're talking about headlines, but really we're talking about thinking. And here, notice how much more potent the headline gets when you say five ways to get stuff done as a high school senior who's you know, drowning in SAT prep and just wants summer you know, to arrive, right? All of a sudden you're like, wow, we are speaking to a very specific type of person. And then guess what? You exclude all the people who don't matter. And then all of the high school seniors go, this was written exactly for me. I'm really interested in this. So really push yourself to ask, who is this for? And then get specific about who it's for. And you, you also think about it's a lever, right? You can lever up your specificity up or down. So what's cool about this is you can take these general things that if you don't have a who and just add that specificity and it ramps it up so effectively and you can write it multiple times. You could take the same thing about carving out time for personal work and target it at different readers based on who you're trying to communicate with. So again, I, it's wild to see these in the wild, right? How you can very clearly, I, I hope these are implanting in your mind what it looks like to write one of these. I know it is for me, the more I stare at them compared to the frameworks. This is a great question. If your specific audience changes, does that reduce credibility? No, of course not. You're just speaking to different people, right? If I'm, if I'm writing about entrepreneurship, one day I'm going to speak to founders. I'm going to speak to solopreneurs. And then the next day I'm going to speak to founders of companies with a hundred employees or less. And then the next day I might speak about startups that have raised a gazillion dollars and have a thousand employees, right? You're speaking to different audiences within your category. But the important thing is to go, I'm not writing something for everyone. I'm writing something for you. This is a custom made suit. Okay. This is not a t-shirt that you buy at Nordstrom's that fits anyone, right? This is a custom made suit. So who is this for? All right. Which leads us to number three. This is my personal favorite. Specificity is the secret. Okay, look at this headline. Three camera setting photographer or three camera settings, or they forgot us, photographers need to understand to get started in real estate right away. Okay. This is this is so specific that like if you are a photographer interested in real estate, you are like, oh my God, this is exactly what I needed. And if you are not a photographer that's interested in real estate, you're like, get, get away from me. I don't care about this. And that is a good thing. Yes. Right. Specificity is the secret. The more specific you can be, the more the reader sits there and goes, this is custom made. This is custom made. I love the fit, right? It's like you buy, you buy something. You're like, I love the fit. That's what you're going for. And there's this mental block that no one wants to write something this specific because no one's going to read it, quote unquote. No one's going to read that, right? And that is the point of pieces like this. They should cut out 99.99999% of people. And then the very point one is like, I have a lifelong reader now. The person who this comes across and it's that's for me, they're going to read everything that person writes forever, right? Because it's like, wow, you solved a very specific problem for me. And now I'm going to read about it for the rest of the time you're publishing. What else can you give me? Here's 20 more questions I have for you, right? And that's a new data point. You need, and this is almost a different branch of it, but you need this level of specificity to get more data. People are like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to interpret the data. It's because there's not enough specificity in their experiment. Mm -hmm. They're trying to find feedback on productivity tips, but no one is responding because it's not resonating with them. But the person interested in real estate photography is going to have 15 more questions. How do I edit the pictures more effectively, right? Yeah. How do I go about finding clients? I want to do this as a freelance. You can see how this goes down a 
a spiraling rabbit hole of value and specificity. But if it, this was just photography tips for like, you could, you can see how unclear this could get very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, This is tremendous. There's, by the way, I love that you pulled on that thread, Dickie, because again, take what works and then double down on it, right? If you get really specific and you see this works, why wouldn't your next essay be three camera settings photographers need to understand to get uh, started in commercial commercial photography? And then three camera settings photographers need to understand to get started in fashion photography, right? All of a sudden you're taking this little piece that works and you're just duplicating it, duplicating it, duplicating it. And Jesper put this in the chat, right? Like I didn't even notice there was a spelling mistake when I pulled this. That's how good the headline was. The spelling, irrelevant. The grammar, irrelevant, right? This is, this is what we're trying. This is the thinking we're trying to perpetuate is that so much of writing gets lost in the weeds. It's like, oh, did I say amazing or, or, or fantastic? It's the same word, right? It doesn't matter. What matters is what is the idea you are communicating. And here, the idea is if you want to get started in real estate, you need to know how to work these three settings on your camera. And every photographer goes, whoa, that's really compelling to me, right? So don't get lost in the weeds. Think about what is the thing that someone else is going to find valuable and then write a really, this is a three-line headline. Did anyone sit here and go, I refuse to read it because the headline was too long. No, of course not. Right. And, so, and I'll go one point further on this is because I can already, I can feel a pushback on this of, but I don't want to niche down this hard because what that does is limit me. And there's another scenario here where he wrote three pieces like this on real estate photographers and decided you know, I, I don't want to go down this. I think people think about niching down as once you're there, you're never, ever coming back. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can only, if this resonates, I'm, that's it. I'm the real estate photography guy. And you could be, but it's an option. And if it's a lucrative option, you'll probably go down that path. But very easily, he could write five more and say, oh, that's enough. And then back out. And that's five days. Right. So I think another thing that holds people back is if I start to get too specific, then I'm, I'm done for because then mm-hmm. I'm niched down and I'm the real estate photography guy. And I don't know if I want to live that way forever, but this is not something you can't undo. This is, this is so funny. This is reminding me of in my, in my bodybuilding years, you know, a lot of people used to uh, come up to me in the gym and say, you know, I really want to start lifting harder, but I'm afraid I'm going to look like you. Right. And like at the time I I was like 180 pounds, just completely shredded and like eating seven meals a day. Like it was my entire life. Right. And these people would come up to me and be like, I want to start lifting heavier, but I'm going to, I'm afraid I'm going to look like you. Right. And Dickie, it's exactly what you say. People have this fear of if I write something that resonates once, all of a sudden I'm stuck as that person forever. And I would say the same exact thing. Trust me, you have to try really, really, really hard in order to be the real estate photographer guy. If that's like really what you want to do, you're going to devote your entire life for multiple years to solidifying that. Just like I was in the gym going, I'm devoting my entire life to doing this. And the idea that you just step in and do one exercise, and then you're just, all of a sudden you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Come on, uh, come on. that's not going to be your problem right? So you always have the choice. Okay. So as a couple examples here, here's, here's a a trick. I want to, I want to point this out because this is an amazing neon sign. Okay. Every time you see the word better or more, or you see a word that ends in ER, right? Enjoy deeper conversations. This is a signal that the person has not thought through enough what it's actually about. Okay. So look at three concepts for beginners to enjoy deeper crypto conversations. 
well, what does deeper mean, right? Deeper in what sense? Are we going to have a deeper conversation about how monetary policy works? Are we gonna have a deeper conversation about how to buy your first cryptocurrency? Are we gonna have a deeper conversation about, you, you see? So deeper or better or how to do this more is a, is a thinking that stopped too early. Okay, you pulled the banana from the banana tree when it was still too green, right? It didn't, it's not ripe yet. Okay, so here, these are all examples of, it's not that these headlines are like bad, right? You're, you're, you're hitting on the points, you know, you're constructing it in the right way, but it, it stopped at version one. Deeper, what does that mean? Seven quotes from parenting experts to get you thinking. Get you thinking about what? Get you thinking about the rules you set, get you thinking about what, what bedtimes to reinforce, get you thinking about what your kids should eat, right? Get you thinking about what? Want to be a better boss? Better in what sense? Trust? Compassion? Right? So anytime you see this deeper, better, faster, smarter, harder, er, er words. Er words are thinking that got pulled too early. And there's opportunity for you to get more specific about what you're saying. We need to clip that one out because that was spot on. I mean, you unfinished thinking on, you just, you gave up. It's like, I have this idea. I don't know exactly what it is, but I know it's better. So I'm going to say that. Yeah. And it's not, it's not because you don't have something to say. That's the thing I want to reinforce. You do know the answer. It's just, you stopped at version one and you said, that's good enough. Right. And really you should see that word and go, I need to sit with this for five more minutes. It's not like we're, you don't have to sit with it for two weeks, right? Five minutes. What does deeper mean? What does better mean? What's the thing I'm actually trying to say? Okay. Framework number four, for who, so that. I love this one. This is uh, talking about iterating in real time. I think we created this on the fly in, in the last call and now we're, we're pulling it out, naming it and claiming it. Okay. So everything that you create, you can even see it's buried in this headline here. Three tips for first-time leaders, for who, of innovation projects, okay? So that to stop worrying and deliver early, okay? So you can see these puzzle pieces, they're stacked together, right? This is for who, so that. So you can do what? What's the outcome? And where a lot of headlines fall short is they have one or one or the other of these, right? Three tips for first-time leaders. But for what, right? Mm -hmm. Or how to stop worrying and deliver early. Who's going to stop worrying, right? Who is this for? So the, you can see how these pieces really stick together. And you need, if, if you really you know, want to get the point across, you need one and then the other to tell the reader why this matters. I'm trying to read this and reverse engineer a horribly clever headline, but I can't do it. Uh, but you can see, I, I love that of for who, so what, where. It's if you cut one of these out where it's just three tips to stop worrying and deliver early, it's gonna not it's not cutting out enough readers, right? Be, and that means that no one's gonna actually read it. But you very clearly know what a first time lead. If you are a first time leader, this is for you. And here's yep. a new benefit for you. And, yeah, you uh, can so see good. the the clever headlines are basically just take any two random words here and you have the clever headline, right? Stop worrying, mm -hmm. okay? Deliver early, okay? First time leaders, right? I mean, it's, it's just, they're standalone pieces. And that's, that's why the way we explain it is it's, it's the way that the pieces line up that, that create meaning, right? So you can see how here, right? Again, these aren't, the, these are necessarily bad. They're close. It's just, they, there's so much room for improvement, right? Why not only every engineer needs a productivity system F to do what? 
right? Needs a productivity system so that they get more done in a day, right? Like what is the purpose? Four ways to diversify your emergency food storage. For why, right? So that me and my significant other don't, you know, cut each other's heads off when there's a food shortage. Like what's the so what? Okay. How becoming a dad changed my perspective on life and work. Okay. Changed your perspective in what way? Becoming what sort of dad? First, first time dad, you know, did you adopt a kid? Right. All these little decisions really change the way that a reader interprets it and says, is this for me or isn't this for me? And again, you're constantly fighting the, I'm trying to make something for everyone and you're, you're not. I mean, just look at the how becoming a dad changed my perspective on life and work. You see in that second headline there, success is no longer about status, promotions, or income. That is what, how his perspective changed. So that should be in the headline, Mm -hmm. right? So not just perspective on life and work, but more specifically on success and that it no longer matters. And I have a new version of success. And then what? Now I no longer focus on this or that. Like, so let, let's here's, just do a live here's a rewrite. Great, here's, yeah, here's, here's a great example. This becomes 10 times more potent if it says, how becoming a dad changed my perspective on success and why I no longer care about getting promoted. Oh. Whoa, we are in a completely different territory now, right? I, I'm glad you came up with that because I was struggling. Right? It, it's that it's right there for us, right? We can so clearly see it. And I, I hope these are helpful, just examples. Yeah, that's that's exactly that's a great way of of putting it, is that a clever headline sounds like a, a fiction book title, right? Lost in the wood, you know, a dark midnight. You know, and then a clear headline sounds like a log line. It sounds like the subhead. It sounds like what might even be the first sentence. And you want to find a way to get that thing that you're saying up to the very front. And I'm, it's like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, you know, 3,000, 4,000 articles on the internet. I can tell you 10 out of 10 times, all of my clever headlines fall short. Every single one because they're not doing the job. Here's the last one, is creating a curiosity gap. Okay, so this is kind of when you execute all of these things well, this is what happens as a result, okay? It, it creates this curiosity gap where the reader goes, again, it's not, you're not tricking them. You're, you're teasing what's to come in a way that gets them asking questions and going, I wanna go on this journey. Okay, so here are three worrying health trends that affect city dwellers and how to reverse them in just two hours a week. Oh, there's a little curiosity gap there. Well, we got some worrying health trends going on and we can solve them in a very short amount of time. Wouldn't you like to know how? And then we go on the journey, right? So this is the goal, is the goal is to figure out how to tell the reader what it is and to also tease, and this is what you're going to get. This is what you're going to learn. This is, this is what you're going to enjoy on the other side of the bridge. And if you don't do that, right? I mean, to put it literally, how much do we all love staying at home watching Netflix now? You know, it's like if your friend's like, hey, come out with me tonight. You're like, no. But if your friend's like, come out with me tonight, I think your favorite music artist is going to be at this restaurant. And I bet if we go sit at this table, we might be able to meet them. And it's going to be an epic story. You're going to be like, I'm putting my pants on. Let's go. Right? You got to know what's in it for you. That's that's what gets you excited. So here's a couple examples, right? Find your energizer story. Okay? The, the rule of thumb, you know you don't have a curiosity gap if the answer is Okay. Right. Okay. All right. So find, find your energizer story. Okay. I will. Right. I don't need to read the piece just, okay. Or you're not really a business if you don't pay your people. Okay. I'm not really a business. 
right? You won't believe she's 10 years old. Okay. I don't believe it. Right. And I, this, it's a very, it's a very like tough love way of saying it, right. Is again, this goes back to, oh, I bet the reader will love it once they get started. But the reader's got a gazillion reasons to not get started. So you have to give them a reason to get started. Otherwise, you're going to have spent all this time writing this really great piece and the reader's never going to get through it, right? So if you find yourself coming up with a headline and, and the answer to the headline is, okay, then you know you got to work on creating that curiosity gap. All right. Coming up with frameworks, what I really love to see in the chat was Arnold. So Arnold has been a part of this cohort or, or a part of Ship 30 since what, March, February, and said is coming up with, we're, we're coming up with new things here, showing new examples. And that just means we're on something new. I love it. Also, something else I want to point out, you know, this question of, uh, you know, do, do I even want to write on the internet anymore? Mm. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to let you, uh, let, let's just, let's just follow that thinking for a second. Okay. Does anyone think that the internet is going to be less popular and less prevalent in our society tomorrow than it is today? No. Does anyone think that the impacts of the internet are going to not cause people to read and consume and interpret information differently? No. Does anyone, like, does anyone think that we will one day revert back to the same way people read when Hemingway was writing in the early you know, 1920s and 30s and 40s? No. Okay. Yesterday, I had someone buy my uh, Art and Business of Online Writing book and tweet at me and say, I, I started reading it. Okay. It's a physical book. All right. I started reading it and I couldn't stop. I spent the entire night reading. Okay. All of these things we're talking about, do not get it confused. This is not like how to growth hack your way on Twitter. Okay. This is not the one simple trick that will allow you to be internet famous on medium. This is how to think about communicating. And it gets applied to everything. And so it's really important to not look at it and just go, oh, you know, this is just, this is just a Twitter thing. No, it's not. This is how writers are now writing books. This is how New York Times columnists are writing columns. This is how TV shows are writing introductions and storylines. So I just want to really emphasize here, like this is not, we're not even talking about headlines anymore, right? We're talking about how to take an idea and move it from your brain into someone else's brain in a way that allows them to go, that's interesting. I want to pay attention, period. Spot on. We're, we're, it's The current medium is writing atomic essays on Twitter, but you're really looking to influence and give people your way of thinking and win them to your way of seeing the world. And yes, Cole is on fire today. That, that was it. Let's go. I've been up since 7 a.m. cranking. I'm just, I'm passionate about it because again, like the idea here is we want all of you to be successful, right? It doesn't, it's not a good thing for us if then you all go on to write things that people don't want to read, right? That doesn't benefit you and that doesn't benefit us. So our goal is saying, here's, here's how to think about your own thinking. Now you can go do with it whatever you want, but telling you 10 years of mistakes, right? N nobody's going to read it if it's titled dreams. Sorry, it's just no one's going to read it. And I'm telling you that as a, here's how to fix it, right? Not you did something wrong. Here's how to fix it. Oh. All right, was that the last one? Okay, so Cole, I actually, I just came up with this. So for anyone unfamiliar with kind of my writing story, I wrote on my own blog almost every week for really like six months of 2020. So Cole, if you go to dickybush.com slash essays, you'll see a list of all the blogs I've written. And I just scrolled through it and I haven't visited that in, I've been only writing on Twitter for like a year. So if you scroll down to the bottom of this, I think just looking at some of these headlines and for people, it'll be just a really great example. 
because there's a lot there on just about everything we talked about. And it's like all in one place. So if any stick out to you that we could rewrite, you can see I kind of cut onto some there, but like my very first thing, understanding Parkinson's law changes everything. Yeah, right? it changes what? Exactly. What are we changing? If it changes everything, it changes nothing. Yep. Yeah, 10, 10 lessons from peak COVID panic week. What kind of lessons, right? What are, are we talking about life lessons or are we talking about financial lessons? Are we talking about, you know, 10 ways to be anti-fragile during quarantine. I would argue that less than 1% of people on planet earth know what the word anti-fragile means. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, resources for quiet, quieting your, the inner voice. First of all, which inner voice, right? What, what are we actually, what do we mean there? And second, what kind of resources, right? Are these easy resources? Are they long resources? Are they podcasts? Are they right? So there's all these opportunities to get more and more specific. This one's good opportunistic sharing, leverage what you do. Leverage what? What does opportunistic sharing mean? What are we doing? Who's this for? Why are we doing it? Right. And by the way, we can do all the same stuff with mine too. We go back yeah. to my articles five years this ago. This is why Jesus I wanted to do Christ. this. Agreed. There's one up there, go up a little bit. And this is one I feel really passionate about. Grab a shitty rod and start fishing. That's like my most clever one. I need to, and that one was really popular on Twitter too, but there's one up there I just called idea flow and mental wealth. Go up yeah. like three, three or four more. Almost, almost. I just want to see it. Oh yeah. There it is, right? Same this thing. is the most, look, go read VC <laughs> Twitter, okay? Some of the smartest people, brilliant, brilliant business thinkers do this all the time. And I've worked with a lot of them and I tell them, this is hurting your ability to share your thoughts with the world and their ego, right? They cannot let go of it. And they go, no, 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 no. no let's, let's be clear. I'm the important one and all the readers should adjust to me. And that is a very flawed way of thinking about it, right? You would never build a product going, I don't care if you like it customer. The only thing that matters is if I like it. What? No. So we're not telling you these things as like, you know, it's just, if you want people to read your work, like you got to write it for them. Yeah. So I wanted to just bring this up because no one is above this stuff and we have thousands of things. Um, and I, I want to go through and rewrite these because there are some good ones like the, what jumping rope taught me about speed and consistency I think that's relatively clear, right? If you want to learn, you know, that's more of a personal side that's still too much of a me, 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 but there's someone there that hit and there's probably a correlation between those. Um, the more I go and look back at it. Yeah. Someone uh, put in uh, Seth Godin's mm, This is blog. a great question. Okay. Here's, here's my interpretation. When was the last time that anyone who didn't already read Seth Godin from 10 or 15 years ago, say Seth Godin's amazing. I mean, I'm very much in business and marketing and he's essentially looked at like a has-been to be perfectly honest. Like all of his work is outdated at this point and it's all clever. I think he's a brilliant thinker. I think at one point he was doing something really, really great. I respect his body of work, but it's not like he's consistently writing viral stuff that everyone's paying attention to, right? It's all based on his name and his status in the industry now. And this is the, this is the argument that drives me nuts because everyone thinks, oh, well, if Seth Godin, who's been at it for 25 years can do it, why can't I? <clears throat> Seth Godin is irrelevant. He's, he's just like riding the coattails of the thing that he's already done for 25 years. That is not a strategy, right? So again, we're just pointing these things out as like, if you're, if you're starting from zero and you're like, how do I get going? You can't go look at someone who's been doing it for 30 years and go, well, he can put his name on whatever he wants and people still think he's successful. Yeah, because he's been doing it for 30 years. And I, I do, there's like, it's worth 
pulling on that line of thinking of looking for a counterexample of people not doing this and seeing success. I like people always come to me and they're like, but what about Paul Graham? You are not mm-hmm. Paul Graham. Yep. You have nowhere near as, and the thing about Paul Graham, we're looking at counterfactual and counterexamples, but he could be even bigger if he used some way bigger. back in the day, right? If it was like every single, th- like one of the most legendary articles ever, maker's maker schedule, manager schedule, that is entrenched, but I think there's a lot of people that haven't read it because it's a clever title. Mm-hmm. If it was maker schedule, manager schedule, colon, how to manage your day more effectively as both a creative and a manager, that's going to, right? How to, how to time block your day to, like, you, people always, they, they look for the counterfactual because they don't have to do it, right? But yep. again, it's just because they didn't doesn't mean it wouldn't help. So that's another way of thinking about this, right? If Seth Godin today, he's still putting out a daily blog. And I bet they're pretty good. But one thing he does, he only posts links to his blog on Twitter. Those links get crushed, right? He's underappreciating the algorithm. I think you, and if he instead used clear titles, right? There's a ton to dig on this. Could you imagine, Dickie, you're completely right. Could you imagine if Seth Godin said, hey, the world's changed. I'm going to reinvent myself and each blog post is going to be a native atomic essay and Twitter thread. And I still want to stick with my clever purple cow titles, but I'm going to add subtitles that tell the reader exactly what they're diving into. Seth Godin might have a second, arguably more successful career. Instead, he's going, I'm going to do the thing that I've always done. Right. And again, respect his work, but you can't look at someone like that and go, what they did 30 years ago is now is still the strategy. It's not, it's just not. I'm just so thinking much here. about Seth Godin going on a Twitter thread viral spree and how much he would take off because he's got damn good things to say. All these people have good things to say. They're playing by the old rules of the game. But if you're on this call, you're learning the new rules. Yep. Yeah, on the Paul Graham thing, I, I love his writing. His titles drive me nuts because I'm like, you could be so much more influential if you would just tell the goddamn reader what it's about. And instead, it's this, it's a cryptic title that you're like, I don't know why. What what do you mean? And it, it's so frustrating because there are a lot of people in business that are very, very smart that hide their content and it comes from a place of ego i'm what's important you're not what's important it's unfortunate 